welcome to St. Matthew's online uh, to this service of word and prayer. Our first song this morning is a plea, really, to God to guide us, uh, mindful of his greatness and his goodness and our frailty. So let's sing together, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. The guys are saying we've got a bit of a tech issue with our band here. They're doing a great job, <laughs> and this is really live. Okay, we're ready to go, apparently. great to know that God is there and that he cares for us and that he listens to a plea like that. Uh, he is our great guide. Uh, welcome again uh, to St Matthew's Online, uh, live here uh, from the Corso in Manly. Uh, four guests who are with us, uh, my name's Andrew Graham, I'm one of the ministers here at St Matthew's. Uh, my main role is uh, focusing on the people who normally meet here on a Sunday morning at eight o'clock uh, together with pastoral care across uh, the whole of our church family. It's great to have you with us. Uh, during this time of lockdown, we're keen to make uh, this experience as interac interactive as, as possible. Uh, we had really positive feedback last week about this new setting, a little more intimate, uh, more appropriate for lounge rooms where most of you are watching from. Uh, but we'd love it if it was more and more two-way as the, as the weeks and as the Sundays unfold. So one way you can be involved is through the chat section. And uh, it was great to see Dave Gardner, who I think is setting a bit of a record here for being the first to log on each morning. Thanks for that encouragement, Dave, uh, during this statewide lockdown. And I was really encouraged to see that we've got someone from Barrel, uh, that uh, Jeff and Virginia are still uh, logging in uh, even since moving down there. Uh, we've got uh, Sally and Mark from across the Hawkesbury um, uh, up there during lockdown, uh, as well as, as uh, Brenda up the other end of the Northern Beaches. So it's just great to see you there uh, on, the, on the chat section. Uh, in addition to just letting us know you're there, something you might like to let us know today is something you're thankful for, even in lockdown. And by the way, if you're having trouble working out how to 
uh, get onto the chat section. It's fairly straightforward. Uh, you, you do need to create an account with uh, YouTube uh, and use your email. If you're having trouble doing that and you'd like to be a part of it, uh, please do contact us at the office through the week and we'll, we'll try and provide some help for you there. But it's lovely to hear from you. Uh, we've just heard from uh, Jenny as well and uh, Mary and Virginia and uh, lots of people uh, are logging in. So great to hear from you. Uh, today, as uh, part of our One Another series, our Senior Minister Bruce uh, will be speaking on really quite a vital subject, that is teaching and admonishing one another. There is a responsibility that each of us carry in the way that we speak to one another, uh, to be using God's word. So really looking forward to hearing Bruce speak on that a little later. Uh, Deb will also be popping in. Uh, she's uh, going to be leading us in prayer as well as reading the Bible for us. Uh, but right now, let's come to God in this prayer of penitence and ask for his help uh, in our time together today. Please join me. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And please join me as we recite together the words of the Apostles' Creed, which is one way of expressing our trust in God, in his greatness and his goodness. It's one way of reminding one another of the love of God in Christ. Please join me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, I want to say another word of welcome to you if it's your first time with us at St. Matthew's. We'd love to know that you've been here and be able to get back to you and uh, welcome you. So please make use of the Connect card. The QR code will be coming up for that in a moment. And it'll be there also at the end of the service. We'd just love to know that you've been here and to be able to connect with you as well. And of course, if there's any way in which you're aware uh, that we can be helpful to you, uh, please use the communication card. You could also share some feedback with us about how you think things are going. Um, if you were with us last week, you will have heard that we're running the uh, Building a Safe, Secure Marriage. Building a Safe, Strong Marriage is what it's called, actually, the course. We're running it again at St. Matthew's, this time online. And something worth mentioning is this would certainly be suitable for, for you if you're finding that your marriage is under extra stress uh, during lockdown. But we're really hoping, this, this course is uh, such an excellent course, we, we're hoping that each of the couples at St. Matthew's would uh, be doing this at some stage over the next couple of years. Uh, it's the sort of thing that during lockdown, uh, you could turn it into five date nights. There's five sessions uh, that look at issues uh, like friendship and communication, uh, like sex and spirituality, like dealing gently with conflict. It's a great course. Many others have benefited from it, and it would be a really good time to be doing it right at the moment. Well, I'm going to ask uh, Scott Petty uh, to come and join us. Scott's been largely responsible for putting together this little series on uh, one another, the one another commands in the New Testament. And uh, Scott, you've got a book to recommend for us, mate. But firstly, um, uh, is there something that you're thankful for during this uh, lockdown period, maybe in the last week or two? Uh, yeah, thank you for asking, Andrew, and good morning, and good morning to you as well. Uh, I, um, one thing that I'm actually quite thankful for is some time that I have with my sons uh, at lunchtime every day. 
so we have lunch together and we just pass a footy back and forth in our front yard, really in our driveway, mm. back and forth. Um, sometimes we talk about things, sometimes we're just passing the ball and spending time together. So I'm really enjoying a bit of extra time with my offspring. Uh, I'm not sure they're enjoying a bit of extra time with their dad, but um, while it lasts and uh, while we still have some space to move around, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I'm already missing having teenagers. <laughs> Very happy years for us. We're not seeing our kids at the moment, so yeah. Be happy to lend mine out for a little bit. <laughs> uh, tell us about this book, mate. Yeah, um, well, good morning again. And I do want to tell you a little bit about a book that I mentioned uh, in the sermon last week. And I wonder if this uh, extended time of lockdown might provide us all with an opportunity to read more than we otherwise might have time for. And I think that reading good Christian books is just one of those key ways that we can grow in our faith and our love for the Lord Jesus, and of course, our wholehearted obedience to him. And the book I'd like to review is the one that you can see on the screen. It actually is a book, looks like that. Uh, love Your Church by Tony Merida. Uh, and I think I mentioned last week that some of our growth groups might have even been using materials kind of based or sourced upon this book. But I think it's, it'd be an excellent little book for all of us to get our hands on and to have a read of, especially during this series, Because Love Your Church covers a lot of, and in some ways complements, a lot of the same areas that we're looking at uh, in this series, our One Another series. Now, I want to give you four other reasons why I reckon this little book is a ripper and why you should get your hot paws on it. Firstly, it covers a good spread of topics about church life that makes sense, as in there's a logical kind of order, and uh, are really important, like um, belonging, welcoming, gathering, caring, serving, honouring, witnessing and serving. So a good spread of topics of church life. Each of the eight chapters there are only about 15 pages long. So you can kind of get through it without really feeling like it's an arduous task. Uh, Like it would be easy for just about all of us, I think, to read a chapter a day and then you got it knocked over uh, in the space of just over a week, um, which is quite encouraging. It doesn't feel like you're getting bogged down. Uh, It's super practical rather than theoretical. And at the end of each chapter, there's a list of action steps that help you put into practice what what he's been talking about in the book. And often uh, you can read a Christian book and uh, it's great, but it all sort of stays in the book. Well, I think that those list of action steps will help you to actually start putting things into practice. Thirdly or fourthly, wherever we're up to. Um, Tony Merritt, he's got lots of pithy little one-liners that I always appreciate because they sort of stick in your memory. So, for example, in the first chapter, he's talking about how you can't really live a life as a Christian, kind of either theoretically or practically, on your own, um, you know, some kind of hermit. Uh, he says you need a pew in the church, not a perch in the desert, in order to experience Jesus in a deep and life-changing way. Uh, And I just like those little pithy things, you know, pew in the church, not a perch in the desert. Uh, And he's also got lots of sort of straight shooting challenges. So I think there's uh, five good reasons there to read this. Uh, It's on topic this term, eight chapters that cover a good spread of church life. They're not too long, super practical rather than theoretical, and it's pithy and challenging. Now, you can get your copy, Andrew. Uh, well, you can borrow mine if you want, but <laughs> you can get your copy from Amazon or Kurong or the Good Book Company, or if you prefer, we can even order some in for you. But as Molly Meldrum would say, do yourself a favour, get this, read it, and we'll all benefit from it as you love your church. Now, I think I'm handing over to Deborah to uh, yeah, pray thanks, for us. Yeah, thanks, mate. Just while they're swapping, hey, uh, it's great to be hearing uh, from people. Um, Peter and Margaret, just around the corner, lovely to hear from you. And uh, Sally is thankful for this stunning weather and uh, thankful to David who'd passed on good, uh, uh, lovely greetings to her. Deborah, what about yourself? You're going to be leading us in prayer in a moment. Um, For you, what do you find yourself being thankful to God for? Morning, Andrew, and morning to all of you as well. Besides hearing from a lot of you about the little kindnesses that are happening in groups, we're actually, uh, Mark and I are actually part of a WhatsApp group in six neighbourhood houses, all in our street, and just seeing three or four times a day the little kindnesses, has anyone got a tin of tomatoes, has anybody seen this, a little joke comes across, a picture comes across, and just seeing the support for the, they've all got children, has just been really, really encouraging, so we're doing it in the church, but people are also doing it, and if you can be part of something like that, I really encourage you to do that as well. 
It's nice to see that sort of thing happening during lockdown. Yeah. We've just moved to a new place and we're getting to know neighbours. And I don't know whether it's a particularly friendly neighbourhood or whether it's a lockdown thing, but there's been a lot of kindness shown mm. in our, our little uh, neck of the woods. It's very encouraging. Yeah. Mm. Well, please lead us in prayer, Deborah. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 96 that encourages us to sing a new song, to worship and rejoice in your strength, your glory, your goodness, your love, and for the promise that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you for that mercy and for your presence and guidance with us now as we pray together. We thank you for the promise that your love endures forever. Whether we're experiencing joy and harmony or trials and troubles. We thank you for your presence with us throughout the pandemic. We know you are bigger. We know that you've seen plagues come and go. And through them all, you speak to your people through your word and through the loving prayers and actions of your church. Help us to be your hands and feet wherever we are. And as we do what your spirit leads us to do in our own circles, we ask you to guide and direct all those in power to work together for the best possible outcome for us all. Father, we pray this week for those who are involved in the upcoming HSC trial exams, the students, their families and their teachers. We ask not just that you uphold them, but that they would call on you and experience your presence as they do their exams in unfamiliar and unexpected conditions. We ask for your Holy Spirit calm and focus if things don't go to plan and that students and teachers of St Matthew's might rise up on the daily love and prayers of their community. Lord, we bring before you our mission partners at Marsden Park in an area that's had strict lockdowns. Thank you that they've been able to maintain contact with most of their congregation. We bring before you the upcoming PTC course the building plans and their financial needs and we trust you that their faithful activities would bear abundant fruit in their region for years to come. And we bring each one of us before you now those we know in sickness, pain, suffering or need. And as we finish, Lord, we ask for those of us for whom lockdown means extra time, that you lead us to pray faithfully for those for whom lockdown means not just less time, but more challenges. And for those of us with less time and more challenges, prompt us to trust you in the midst of it and to reach out when we need it. Lead us all to share one another's burdens, either by reaching out or by offering help. Help us all to be transformed from the inside out, presenting ourselves in whatever circumstances we find ourselves, knowing that you, our loving Father, goes before us, straightening our paths and clothing us with Holy Spirit compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Father, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices in the name of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Deborah. And you're going to be back in a moment with um, uh, the Bible readings. But now's a chance to sing again a song where we're asking God for his help. Uh, this time for the, the mind of Christ to dwell in us in a way that shapes everything we do and say and think. Let's sing together, May the Mind of Christ.
Good morning again. We're going to have the Bible readings now and there's two readings this morning, one from Colossians and one from Hebrews, if you'd like to have your Bibles ready. So the first reading is from Colossians, 1 Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And the second reading is from Hebrews Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 15. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you again. If you've got your Bibles there, keep them open. We're going to be looking at those verses that we just had read to us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. And as we think about the whole ministry of one another and particularly teaching and admonishing, uh, do just work powerfully to help us see we've all got a role to play and equip us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I am feeling slightly sad because the Olympics have finished. I love the Olympics. And it's not just because I love sport, which I do, and talk to my wife and she can tell you all about that. Um, It's really because the Olympics are not just a festival of sport, but there's just so many wonderful stories and backstories that you hear when you see the the stories of triumph and tragedy that are behind the athletes who are there and the countries that are there. And... I used to be an athlete, Um, I wouldn't say I was exceptional, but I did used to like uh, running in athletics, and it's really the one time uh, every four years that I get to see world-class athletes, because they're not often on the screen. And I'm going to show you a couple of my favourite ones from this year's um, Olympics over in Tokyo. Um, The first one is uh, Peter Boll, the Australian uh, Sudanese refugee. He came to the country when he was 10, and he ran first at Rio. He came fourth in the 800, and... That race was the second most watched Olympic event here in Australia. Over three million people were watching as he tried to win gold that day. Unfortunately, he didn't, but still a great story. Uh, The second one is Nicola McDermott. Now, I don't know if you know her story. She's the high jumper. She was the first Australian uh, or oceanic woman to jump over two metres. She got the silver medal. I sat up watching almost to the end, and I was delighted to see she's actually a very keen Christian. And there's some wonderful interviews about her talking about her faith as well as her victories. Uh, But the third one is Ash Maloney. Now, this person uh, behind me may not be as familiar to all of us. He won the bronze medal in the decathlon. And I love the decathlon because it's just this brutal event 
where these athletes who are just all-rounders have to do 10 different disciplines over two days. And he was really unknown on the world scene. A young guy who just kind of risen up through the ranks quietly. And he was in second place for all of the first day. Now, all the commentators said he will probably fade away on the last day and not medal. Well, he managed to maintain his position in second and then he dropped down to third as the last event came. It was the 1500 metres. It was not one of his strong suits. And the guy who was fourth was strong. And so for him to retain the bronze medal meant he had to run a personal best. And the way he did it, because he did get the bronze, was his teammate, we had another guy in the race called Cedric Doubler, he ran as a pace setter. And I'm going to show you the picture of him. And just have a look at Cedric over here. Uh, Cedric basically just exhorted him and yelled at him and told him to keep going. Now, Cedric ended up dropping off the pace. He wasn't as fast, but he sacrificed himself and just gave it to Ash so that Ash could get across the line. And Ashley ran a personal best that day, and he got the bronze medal. And I love what he said about his teammate, Cedric. He said he was screaming. I can't repeat what he said. I could hear his voice bouncing in my cranium like a bat out of hell. <laughs> and I bring you that story because... At the end of the day, Ash probably wouldn't have got the bronze medal unless he had someone alongside him who was yelling into his life and encouraging and exhorting him to keep going. And that's what he needed to cross the finish line and win the prize. And we're at the beginning of this series, One Another. And last week, Scott brought a beautiful message, a powerful message about the need for us to be loving each other. That is the whole context of the Christian church, that we've got relationships filled with love and that we are loving each other intentionally. Today, we're going to look at the whole range or need for speaking into each other's lives through teaching and admonishing one another because the reality is we need each other cheering for each other if we are to get across the line and win the prize which Christ Jesus has for us. And so let me start by reading for us. Um, the verse which is in uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. We didn't have this read, but it's a very important verse which I think sets up what Colossians has to say that we had in our reading, first of all, from Deb. Colossians 1:28. Paul says these words. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Now, this verse is in many ways a summary of, of Paul's ministry and it really gives you an overview of what he saw that he was doing there's a number of things to note at the center was his proclamation of him he is the one we proclaim and he's talking about Jesus and so Paul was a preacher of Jesus and he did it in two ways he taught the people and he admonished them and we're going to look at those two phrases today in terms of how they apply to us teaching and admonition and then the third thing we see here is that there was a goal in mind for Paul. He said, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And what this verse sets out for us is both the um, ministry of Paul, of preaching Christ, the way he did it by teaching and admonishing, and the goal for that ministry is to present people mature in Christ, which really is about getting people to the end of the line, ready to meet Jesus, that we are mature for the day that we see him, whenever that comes. And you could say that really is our goal here, if I could say that is my goal for us as a church. It's to lead St. Matthew's, to teach, to admonish, and to preach Christ so that we grow to maturity. And what I want to look at as we think about this whole theme of teaching and admonition is what does it mean? Who actually does it? And how do we do it? So what, who, and then how? So firstly, what? Well, let's just think about those two words, teaching and admonition. Um, you could define these words this way. Teaching is really, if I could put it this way, and I've got on the screen there, instruction in the gospel. And when you look at Paul and how he taught, that's exactly what he did. He taught people about the Lord Jesus. 
And he taught people and instructed them about the implications of the Lord Jesus. And you could just take the letter of the Colossians and you can see this in very clear fashion. Uh, In chapter 1, there is one of the most magnificent statements and profound pieces of writing about the Lord Jesus in chapter 1, verse 15 to 20. If you're not familiar with it, go and read it. It is astounding. And as the letter goes on, he talks about the implications of who this Lord Jesus is and what he's done. And that's what it means to teach people. We explain and we teach what it means instructing people in the gospel. But then you've got the word admonition. And the word admonition is a word that means to warn people. Uh, It's a strong word. And it's not used often, but it is used significantly. And Paul says his ministry wasn't just to instruct people in the gospel and explain the gospel. It was to admonish them as well, to warn them. And it means to stick with the gospel. In other words, we keep believing it and we keep living by it and we keep living according to it. And if instruction and teaching has the whole sense of learning and knowledge... Warning and admonition is a word that speaks about our wills and how we're applying that knowledge of Christ to our lives and what we're doing with it, how we're living it out. Well, the question is, who gets to do this? Well, if you read uh, that first verse that we've just looked at, it's very obvious that Paul saw that that was his job. And in many ways, it summarizes what my job is, the teaching staff here at the church. It's what our job is as pastoral staff, to teach and admonish. And it's an essential part, an essential part of the pastoral role that the pastoral staff have, that we teach and admonish people. We proclaim, we admonish, we teach everyone so that we might present you mature in Christ. And if I can run on the Olympic theme, and I'm going to do this in a couple of ways here in the uh, sermon, um, think with me about um, this man, Dean Boxall. Now, Dean became very famous very early on because he is the coach of Ariane Titmus. And Ariane won four medals, two of them gold, including that famous first race she had when she defeated Katie Ledecky in the 400-metre freestyle. And she came from behind to clinch that gold. And everyone knows uh, what happened. Dean went absolutely crazy uh, and it went viral across the world. Now, why do I mention that? Because, you see, Ariane doesn't train by herself. She's an incredible athlete who had incredible discipline and drive to do what she did. But there was someone there cheering her on, instructing her, exhorting her probably warning her about all sorts of things. And she was able to win the prize because she had her coach so closely beside her, spurring her on. And in many ways, that is the role of the staff here, that we spur you on, we encourage you, we teach you, we warn you, so that you might become mature in Christ. What's fascinating is when you look at the second reading that we had today. And you can see it there on the screen. Let me read a key verse from that first reading. Colossians 3 verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your heart. There's a couple of things to notice here. Firstly is, in the first verse I brought from Colossians 1.28, Paul said it was his role to teach and admonish. Now, though, he is saying in chapter 3, verse 16, it's your role. So how does that work? Well, I take it that what Paul is saying is that he has a very key role to bring the word of God alive in the congregation. That's his job to teach it, to admonish. But the congregation also derivatively has a role to play as well. As that word that the apostle brought dwells in them, they are then to teach and admonish each other. In other words, there's a series of events that takes place. The first is there is the proclamation of the word within a church. 
the pastoral staff teach and admonish the believers. And what's to happen with that word as we receive it is it's to dwell in our hearts richly. In other words, we are to take hold of the word. We are to read the word. We're to learn the word. And more importantly, we are to use this word. And we are to take it and to teach and admonish each other. You could put it in a different way. The word of God becomes alive amongst the whole congregation. And all of us take hold of it and use it to build people up as well as to warn them. And so, yes, I've got a role to play, which is to lead the teaching ministry of the church. And the pastoral staff are absolutely critical in that. But when we think about the life of the congregation together and growing to maturity, we all have a very significant role to play. Because we all need to take this word, the word of the gospel, and teach it to each other and admonish each other. And it's interesting, it's in the context, uh, verse 16, chapter 3, of our worship life together, the sense of, uh, he says, with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. In other words, as the word grips us and brings us alive in Christ, we share that word as we rejoice in Christ. Now, the second reading that we had today uh, was from Hebrews chapter 3. And Hebrews as a letter the writer describes as an exhortation. And I thought I would bring this uh, reading as well because there's another word which I think is a very helpful word to describe this type of word ministry that takes place mutually within a congregation that is healthy. And it's the whole sense of exhortation or encouragement. Let me read to you two verses I've got on the screen there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 from the reading Deb brought. See to it, brothers and sisters that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so we are to teach and admonish one another. What the writer to the Hebrews says is we're also to encourage one another. And that word has a very wide range of meaning. It can be in the hard sense of warning, it can be on the other side to encourage. It can be to spur someone on. And what he's saying is all of us have this role to play. We need to all together be encouraging each other on. And I want you to note a couple of things. All of us have this role, the writer says. But secondly, every person counts when it comes to the church. A number of times in the letter to the Hebrews, you get this phrase, uh, where he says, so that none of you. And what he's saying is, every person, every member of the church is significant and needs to be thought of. And he says it here in the context of none of us being hardened by sin's deceit. In other words, everyone counts. And because every single person counts, all of us are required to make sure all of us are walking faithfully with Christ and growing to maturity in him. You see, think with me. If it was just the pastoral staff who taught and warned people and no one else took upon them to actually pick up the word of God and apply it to other people's lives, what do you think would happen to us as a church? Well, I reckon there'd be two things that would take place. Firstly is the pastoral staff would burn out because every person counts. And so for us to pastorally engage with every person, it would be impossible. We would burn out as we try to encourage personally people. But the second thing is you'd have a very weak church because you wouldn't have a place where the word is dwelling richly in the whole congregation. You'd have a place that is sick and just listens to the pastor on a Sunday and then just thinks about it and goes on their way. 
there would be no sense of body life, of mutual ministry, of men and women strengthening each other, exhorting each other, encouraging each other, and when occasion is called for, warning each other in the gospel. You would not have a church where the word is dwelling richly. Every person counts and so everyone is necessary. But there's a second reason that you see here in this passage for why all of us are needed in terms of this endeavour of bringing the word of God to bear in our lives. And it's a sobering truth. Uh, We have sinful, unbelieving hearts that are in danger of being hardened. And here's a sobering truth for all of us. I was reading a book just recently on leadership and I put it this way. None of us, myself included, are immune from this. There is sin in our church. And I think when we think of that, we think, oh, is there some major sin that I didn't know about, some major you know, controversy? Well, no, all of us are infected with sin. All of us have a capacity to harden our hearts to the gospel. All of us will on occasion struggle with doubts. All of us on occasion will be tempted by this world. All of us will grow weary and our hearts will think, maybe I'll just give up. Maybe I'll stop believing. And all of us will struggle with the reality of sin and frailty. And if that is the case, what the writer to the Hebrews says is, well, that means all of us need to be encouraging each other. And it's interesting the way he says it, encourage each other daily. In other words, it's this reality of, and I don't think it necessarily means every single day, but it's the reality that literally we are regularly in communion with each other and we're spurring each other on. It's everyone's job to use the word of God to cheer everyone else on. Let me give you my final Olympics illustration on this. I wonder if you remember the 2000 Olympics and the man who was affectionately called Eric the Eel. I mean, it's a dreadful name, (laughs) but that's what he was called. And everyone knows Eric the Eel from the Sydney 2000 Olympics. His name was Eric Musambani Malonga. And he was a athlete, I say athlete from Equatorial Guinea, who heard about the fact that they had been granted some wildcard entries into the Olympics. And they basically announced, would anyone like to go in the swimming event? He was the only one who turned up to apply. The interesting thing was he couldn't swim. (laughs) And so eight months before the Olympics, he learned and began to learn how to swim in, I think, a 20-metre pool and also in some of the rivers nearby. And if you saw the race, it was a famous race because he took off and he swam by himself. There were actually meant to be three in the race. They, the way they organise the races is with the heats. The slowest qualifiers go in the first races and the fastest go in the last. Well, he was in the first one because he didn't even have a qualifying time. The two other athletes who were meant to swim with him fell off the blocks early with false starts and were disqualified. And so he swam the race alone. And honestly, he, it was 100 metres, he got to the end of the pool, I've seen the race, and he turns and then he starts swimming and seriously, you wondered if they needed the lifeguards that day at the Olympics. And this is what he said, in the last 50 metres, to be honest, I was so tired, I was going to stop. I couldn't feel my legs or arms, everything was very heavy. When I had people clapping and cheering my name, they gave me more power to finish. Eric Musambi, Eric the Eel. And I love that. He made it to the end because of the crowd that cheered him on. It wasn't his coach this time. It was the crowd. It was everyone together who got him across the line. And it's such a beautiful picture, I think, of us as a church. That we take the word of God and we cheer each other on with it so that we all cross the line mature and ready to meet Christ. Let me finish with my third point. How then do we actually do this teaching and admonishing? Well, I've got three words, and I think the first one is this intentionally. And what I mean by that is, this will only take place 
if we value the word of God and it actually is alive in the church. Because I think about that uh, verse, Colossians 3.16. We teach and admonish each other when the word of God is dwelling richly in us. And that's why, if I can say individually, the way we handle and value and use God's word is so important. And we as a congregation need to intentionally be reading it and loving it and learning it and memorizing it and obeying it. And I think one of the most important disciplines is actually reading your Bible every day. And one of the things I try and do is read Old Testament and New Testament. And I also try and write down a verse that has spoken to me from my readings. And I've got a journal and I write them out. And the reason I bring that to us today is because it's one thing just to pick up the Bible and just read it. But it's another thing to dwell on it and to think about it. And you see, the more we dwell on the Word and think about it, the more it will become a part of us so that we can then teach others and share with others and encourage others with it. We can just speak out of the overflow of our life of what we've been learning and what's given us joy and what's given us hope and what's given us strength. And the reason I encourage people to write it down is because as you write it down, it will just help you learn it more. And that word will dwell in you. Because I think the way this ministry takes place is it's organic. It flows out of our hearts as the word is richly dwelling in them. And if you want to be someone who takes this to heart and actually does this, because that's what we're called to do, let the word of God dwell richly in you and read it and journal on it and pray it through so that it becomes a part of you and you can share it with others. I think the second thing I'd say is we need to not just be intentional, we need to be positive with the word. The word has this incredible power. And I was thinking about the current context that we're currently in. And I mean, three, three things struck me. It's a one in 100 year pandemic we're going through. But also it's about the third or fourth lockdown we're going through. And this one is far worse than any other one, I think, in the country. And there's no end in sight is the reality which we know. And because of that, we're facing mental health challenges. And so how will we get through as a congregation? Well, I can share with people and the staff can share with people the word and bring that to bear in their lives. But all of us can be doing that. And I was thinking about specifically what verses can we be learning and sharing and reading together and praying into each other's lives. And here's three verses for you that you can learn and that you can share with someone else who is doing it tough. Because the incredible thing about the Word of God is it has got a strength and a power. And if you think about last week and this week, last week there's this sense of tangibly experiencing God's love through the love of His people, which is so profoundly important. But we also need to hear from God personally, and that's what happens when the Word of God is dwelling in us. So Philippians 4, 6-7, to write this one down. Go and read it, learn it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there's a verse you could read with someone who is struggling, who is anxious. And I'd encourage you, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Write it out, learn it and share it with others and pray it for others. Second one, Psalm 46, verse 10 and 11. In the chaos that we're going through, it is so good to be reminded by him that he's in control. And Psalm 46, verse 10 and 11 are those famous verses. He says, speaking of God, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You could write this out on cards and give it to people to remind them God is in control. He is on the throne. And by doing that, you'll be teaching and encouraging people to stick with it and to finish the race. Psalm 46, verse 10 and 11. There's a second great verse. 
But I think the other thing we need to keep reminding people and exhorting people and calling people to do is keep coming back to Jesus and finding strength and hope from him. And Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, write that down. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 are wonderful verses that do that. It's the Lord Jesus speaking to us. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'll let you read the rest of it. But there's such great verses to read to people and exhort them and call them to remind them that in this crazy period we're going through, we can find rest with Jesus. You see, how do we actually do this? We intentionally have the word of God dwell in our hearts so that it becomes alive in us. And then with a gentleness, we take that word specifically and apply it to situations in people's lives that we know they're going through. And we pray for them. We pray with them. We read it to them. We give it to them. But the third thing I say is gently. Because all of us will have times when we might doubt God. And we might doubt, doubt his plans and purposes for our lives because of what we're going through. It could be some very tough times that we go through. There'll also be times when we're tempted to stray from God's ways. And I see this every year. And what I'm most encouraged is when I see people from the congregation go to those people and walk with them to bring them back on track. And that's what admonition is doing. It is gently going to people who are straying and warning them gently and bringing God's word to them gently to say, come back, get on track with Jesus. Don't be tempted by whatever you're going through or whatever is presenting itself to you. Seek to be faithful to Christ. And friends, the church is most healthy when they don't look to the pastor to do that. They say, what can I do to bring my brother or sister back on track with Christ? And I'm so encouraged when I see brothers and sisters say, look, can you just tell me what would be a good verse to read with them because I would love to go and speak to them rather than saying, oh, that's your job, Bruce. Now, no doubt it is my job. But we actually need to do this all together so that none will be lost. And I want to say we do need to do it gently. We need to be in relationships where we are speaking the word of God positively into each other's lives. But there are going to come occasions when we need to warn people to stay on track. I want to finish with a story um, and it relates to a car trip I was on once. And many of you will know my dad... Uh, died very early in life, 36. I spoke about that just recently when I was very young. And he died through a car crash. And I think deep in my psyche is this concern uh, when I go on car trips that I'll fall asleep at the wheel and die. And the reason for that is I once fell asleep at the wheel when I was very young driving when I was 20 and literally the gravel on the side of the road woke me up. But a number of years back, about 15 years ago, it was the October long weekend. I can still remember it today. Uh, after church on Sunday, we'd gone up to stay with some people, some friends' houses at Barrel. And then on the Monday, we drove home. And I was tired after a very long weekend. And I can just remember feeling that wave of um, sleepiness come over me. I was in the car. I looked around. Kath was asleep. The kids were asleep in the back. And I just thought, I have to get off and pull over and rest. And then I saw a rest come, but a car came up on the inside and blocked me from going off and getting off the road on the freeway back to Wollongong. And then the most terrifying thing happened. I actually fell asleep at the wheel. And when I think about this, my heart races. And the thing that woke me up were those little bumps that are on the side of the road. And it just jolted me awake. And I remember just, I was terrified and horrified because I was doing about 100 kilometers an hour. It was the freeway. And I thought if it wasn't for those bumps, I was asleep and I would have gone off the road and I could have killed the whole family. And I tell you that story because we're all on a journey to meeting Christ in the new creation when one day he will raise us from the dead. 
And the road that we are journeying on, the straight line in the middle of it is the gospel that we're being taught every week. But there's also bumps on the side of the road to warn us when we're straying, when we're tempted, when we're sinning. And friends, we need both the straight line of the gospel to be teaching that to each other. But we also need the warnings and the admonition of a brother and sister in Christ coming alongside someone saying, let's get on track and get back to following Christ. And we need both things happening in our church as the word dwells richly in us. We need to teach each other and remind each other of the great truths of the gospel. But when we start to fall asleep at the wheel and we're veering off for a car crash, we need brothers and sisters to put our arms around them and to gently steer them back. So let us be a church that absolutely loves each other, where the word of God is alive and dwelling richly in us, and where with great love and gentleness and intentionality, we teach and admonish each other so that all of us make it to the end and none are lost and we become fully mature in Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. May it dwell richly in us and may we all faithfully make it to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. been great to be together under God's word today and to hear the encouragement to be those who are encouragers, who teach 
and admonish others because we're on a journey and we need one another. Uh, part of the way that we encourage each other is by sharing in things that we're thankful for. And there were some lovely messages uh, came through. Kathy, uh, didn't know you had a little puppy. Uh, that sounds lovely. And uh, Anne-Marie, it was nice to hear from you with your move up to Woiwo with how that's working out for you. Uh, it's lovely you can enjoy the outdoors there. And did you say there were some birds uh, um, out in the, the yard this morning? We're missing you. Uh, but we trust uh, you'll find a new home there and we're really glad you can be in contact with us uh, while we're doing these online services. A number of people mentioned the weather and it certainly has been magnificent uh, winter weather. Uh, uh, who was it? Virginia mentioned that and the beautiful walking trails and it was nice to bump into you and your daughter uh, when we were all walking out, uh, walking uh, yesterday. Uh, who else? Uh, Jenny says that she's grateful for the slowdown as it gives more time to reflect and read and get back to the simple, simpler things of life, life like home cooking and spending time together at home. And um, we've enjoyed uh, some of Jenny's home cooking. She's a part of our growth group, uh, so we've been beneficiaries of that at various times. So it's great to know that um, th those things are coming through and thanks for your encouragements by sharing what you're thankful to God for. As we wrap up, I'm going to entrust us all uh, to God's care uh, with this word of blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen and Amen. So that's the first time I've done the chat with others like you guys. And that's, having watched it last week, it's such a, uh, a welcoming thing. Just personalising. Personal. Mm. Yeah. 